Hello and welcome to the Women's Soccer Coaching Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the challenges and opportunities faced by those who coach in the women's game. This podcast accompanies the February issue, which is available to subscribers right now. In it, we've got the usual session plans and practices, alongside advice on what to do if your session doesn't go to plan, thoughts on how to teach your players communication skills, tips on addressing performance anxiety, suggestions for growing your women's and girls' provision, and a look at a project in Nepal doing wonderful things for the girls' game. The coach leading the issue is Juan Carlos Amaros. Amaros was Tottenham Hotspur co-head coach for almost a decade before going on to manage Real Betis. He has had an incredible past two years, working as interim head coach of Houston Dash, leading them to the NWSL playoffs, before taking on the top job at Gotham FC, a team he took from last place to NWSL champions in 2023, winning NWSL coach of the year for his efforts. Juan is our podcast guest. He spoke to our lead writer, Carrie Dunn, just ahead of the 2024 NWSL draft. Carrie started by asking whether the draft was exciting or stressful. Well, I think I've lived both experiences. No, I think that well, it's always fantastic and exciting because it's a good moment where you know the it's, it's done as well uh, in the. I think it's the biggest coaching convention in in the world. The the convention that is happening here and and it's very it's very good when you see so so much passion and so much uh, coaches who are wanting to learn or, or pros or all of that side is fantastic and then the league gets together and then the event is fantastic itself and then because it's like the step into professionalism of of the college players so that's really that's really good and at the same time, uh, I think it's depending on the situation of the team. No, last year we we had the number round number one round draft pick. We sold that. We got Jasmine Ryan on the back of it. We end up with and, and get some money to get the number two. With the number two, we traded for Lynn Williams, and with the number two, then um, we also got the number four, and we got Jenna Nicewonger, who was the the rookie of the year. So basically. It, it was, you know, the higher position you have, the, the the more you can play around. And and obviously this year, because we won and there is two new teams in the league, we got the 14th round, you know, the 14th picks, which is a really low number because it's not only anymore, you know, what you can choose or what you want to choose. And also you can trade and, and move up and down and down one or two positions, which is very easy to, to know who is going to be there. There is 13 players being chosen in front of you and... And it's almost that you have this this range of players and, and and wait to see if any of them become available. So definitely a little bit more a little bit more relaxed on 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 the side of of, of football this season. Yeah, well, you mentioned in passing there, obviously fourteenth pick this year because you did so brilliantly last season. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. I think it was obviously a fantastic year uh, for the the way things are in America. We finished on sixth uh, position, even if it was so tight that with two fixtures to go, we we had it in our hands to win the the regular the regular season. But in the end, we couldn't, and we almost end up out of the playoffs. But in America, what it matters is what you do in the playoffs. Uh, you have to be ready to compete. Uh, we went to 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 three away games. <laughs> That they were probably the hardest. No, North Carolina was probably the team playing the best football. We won there two 0 uh, away from home. We went to Portland, champions. Uh, 
the team that was, you know, finished second in the league, but they were top of the league for the whole year. Fantastic, fantastic side. 25,000 people in a stadium where nobody goes and, and win. And, and we won 1-0 in extra time. And then in the final, you know, with everything that, that came on the back of it, we, we were able to beat Seattle 2-1. So it was a dream come true that he put the, the final icing on the cake for a, for a fantastic year, no? Because it was an amazing season, an amazing group of players that... That they made our job really enjoyable from from day one. We have our highs, we have our lows, like every team. But we were able to install a, a new style, a, a way of doing things that people enjoy watching us. People enjoy doing it, and and being rewarded with with that ring or with that medal, with that trophy. It was it was amazing. But at the same time, within a new year, we're in a new campaign. And I always say, if you think you're at the top of the mountain, the only way is down. So. For us, it's still climbing and, and a lot of work that, that obviously we've been doing in this off-season to make sure we are in the best shape possible for, for the next season. So tell me a little bit about that work that you did from when you took over at the end of 2022, because as you mentioned, you're going into a club where you're looking to go from bottom to success and you managed to instill a new way of doing things. How do you go about approaching that as a coach? Uh, well... But I think that in that case, one of the best things about this club it was the trust they put in me uh, to to have a common vision, but that to to trust on what I think or what I thought it could work. Uh, starting from day one, they they were really supportive in terms of what the staff I could bring. I brought two people that I really trust from Spain. One of them is my head. You know, we can call it like the assistant head coach, and and he takes care of all the analysis and and tactical side of things with Jesus Botello, a person to bring that I brought in terms of the physical side with. Uh, with Adrian Benitez, to two people that I really trust from Spain, and I was always I was also able to bring two two technical coaches from from my time at Tottenham. I brought Sean Harris, who was a at the Spurs and, and Akla Kani, who at that moment was a late on Orient and uh, on the men's game, but this then is he works with the Jamaica national team or he worked and, and he worked with me at the Spurs. So that that backup from the start is very important because we are not superheroes, the head coaches. We need we need people around us. It's a very difficult job where you have to prioritize and you have to delegate a lot of things. And and the trust in from that moment it was very important because it was really difficult visa processes. Like there was a lot going on on the off season while we were trying to 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 make the team. And then step by step, no, like uh, first uh, signing some new players. The draft was very important. The preparation of uh, the season, the pre season, and then step by step getting. And a routine of work where people were enjoying every day, not only the players, but us as a staff, uh, and and step by step build build something special. No, I think it's it's it was uh, probably a change not only on the pitch but also off the pitch. Where I think the the club really trusted me, and I think I really appreciate that, and, and I'm I'm so happy he paid he paid off. And and as I said, we're already uh, working on on the next level. We did that in the summer where we added Katie Stengel, Maitane Lopez, and. And Esther Gonzalez, who the three of them were key for us to 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 succeed, and and that's what we did as well when we won the championship the the week after. I think people thought we were celebrating. We were trying to sign, you know, Rose, Emily, Tierna, Crystal. We were already, you know, and I think that's the key in football. You need to try to be one or two steps ahead because if not, you're gonna be one or two steps behind. Mm. And you mentioned delegating with the rest of the team. Is there also kind of I guess, and recognition that other people maybe have strengths that you don't. You have to be quite reflective, I guess, as a head coach to recognise that other people will be better at doing something than you. 
Yeah, is that's one side. That's for sure. Uh, that are you know people. We are all different, and we have different different points of strengths and, and weaknesses. But then also is a question of uh, maximizing performance and effectiveness. Uh, you know, there is not enough hours on the day to do absolutely everything, like to give every player the individual attention they deserve, to have their individual plan to be better, to meet with the players individually, to be scouting new players, to be preparing sessions, to be preparing analysis. You know, like you need people that you trust. And then when you have people like that, work that normally takes you two hours and a half, maybe it takes you five minutes to talk about preparing it and then another five minutes to to review it, you know? So obviously everything we do, I end up looking at it and, and overseeing it, but having people that I trust is, for me, is massively important because then you can maximize your time as a head coach, but then you can also be sure that your players and 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 their, and know and supporting staff is also being help and being um, you know when being uh, let's say maximized or being happy because they feel like that you are giving them the attention you need no so definitely that's that's very very important for me so what does your weekly routine um look like as a general rule during the season how much time do you get out on the pitch how much time are you in the office behind a desk well, we get, or so probably every head coach, we we get less time on the pitch of what we of what we would like because players are humans and they need to they need to rest and they need to recover and and there are certain things. But I think for me, a normal week will be like probably the, the day after the game when we play at home. Let's say we we give an individual attention to every player that session that that for me is one of the most important of the week with the players that probably didn't play that much. We prepare a session where we try to individualize what they need to do to, to be better, what they need to do to to be in the team. To So they, they feel like, okay, I didn't play yesterday, but the head coach and, and the coaches are already helping me to be the best I can be. Then probably we have a day off. So we take, as a head coach, I take probably those two days to to prepare in detail the, the, the week that is, that, that is coming. And, and then we normally do a, you know, a couple of days of training maybe one on the smaller spaces and one in bigger spaces and the next day we try to all give it off or we normally use it for traveling because in America in America the traveling you know and you have to go from the east coast to the west coast it's a six hour fly and, and a three hour time change so that obviously takes one day then we have another day of training probably then minus one and and then, and then we play again you know so there is really no 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 breaks here and and it's very it's a very demanding league because we don't stop or we will stop this year but we didn't stop last season when it came to international windows or anything like that so and we even and adding to that we had like midweek games last year because there was a like the challenge cup so it was really non-stop from from a start to finish i think we had a week off in july where by the cba which is the collective bargain agreement by by the players you you have to have a week off in the season which i think it's more than necessary because uh, we are humans as well and we get tired but but it was not no no rest but at the same time if you do it in a in an environment where you're comfortable and and and, and you push yourself with people that that you enjoy being with uh, I think that's that's the key, and that's what we, we were able to create, and what we want to make sure that we replicate and improve this year. So, how would you say your coaching style has developed since being in the USA? Because I imagine it must be a quite a different mindset from when you've been in Spain or in England. 
Yeah, I think as a coach, I, every I, I've grown and I hope I grow even more this year. As a, you know, as a player and as an elite athlete or elite coach, uh, that well, I don't consider myself an elite coach, but I consider myself that I work in the professional game. Uh, so I, I just try to be better every day and. And I think that, as I, as I said, this is one of the, the biggest developments has been the, the the trust on other people and surrounding myself by people that I trust and, and, and delegate because every coach, they start their career, they probably need to do everything. To, you know, they're doing the strength and conditioning, they're doing the analysis, you're doing, you know, they're doing the, the tactical, they're doing everything on the pitch. Then you get a strength, you know, a strength and conditioning coach, then you get an analyst, then you get another coach, you know, like you get more and more and more people as you grow. Uh, so that's for me very, very important. Um, and then uh, there is a big adaptation from Europe to America. I think in America, the player mindset is fantastic. But at the same time, uh, again, because of the CBA, there are things that are completely different to, 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 to things that we consider normal in, in, in Europe. Like when we travel away, the timings of doing things, the having curfews, which is something you don't have here, like having certain things that you need to adapt to the culture and for me it's been easy because to be honest it's easier uh, when when you can trust you play completely and there is not even a, a discussion because you don't have to make a decision you just cannot do certain things so that's been that's been uh, another adaptation and i think also uh, understanding that every player is important a little bit more every, and, and and focusing i think i focus a lot and especially on this last season on on making sure that every player feels that we are giving them our absolute best because as a group I think that's that's the that's the healthiest thing for the whole for the whole team and and you win tournaments not with one player or eleven. You need last year we used I think it was like something crazy like twenty nine players because we have national team replacement players players that were in the team and then they left so almost almost thirty different uh, outfield and, and goalkeeper players that help uh, Gotham to to win this championship. No? And you touched on delegation again there. Um, do you think your time at Tottenham obviously might have helped with that because you had that kind of split between you and Karen Hills at the time? There was obviously a close working relationship there, but you had your delegated responsibilities, so you're used to not necessarily having to do everything yourself. Yeah, 100%. I think that time was a bit different because by then there was like no team managers or, you know, there was so many things that Karen and myself did, uh, especially on the early days that, you know, I think she's mentioned it on a few interviews and, and myself as well, that it was, it was crazy. Like, and so as, as we grew and, and, we could delegate more and add more people into the equation that definitely definitely helped. But then my time at Betis was completely different. You every time you change clubs or you go to a new environment, the the I don't know if the word is the idiosyncrasy of or like how every team is run or how every club is it is culturally is completely different. When you change countries, there are roles that don't exist on on other countries or roles that are very important in a different one, you know, so that's something that you need to also, that you need to adapt. And, and for me, that's, uh, that's key. I think it is very important that you, you have people on every department and not only on the coaching, you have to have people on the logistics side that you trust and then, you know, on the high performance and the nutrition on the medical side, on the logistic team, like every little bit of the people that is in contact with the team, it affects the team. You know, if you travel somewhere, but the, 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 you know, like you don't have a bus to go from the airport to the 
to the hotel that is affecting it. If you don't have the breakfast well organized, you know, like every detail matters when it comes to 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 the high level, and and it's important to have people that is you know on point on the on their jobs to make sure that this machine is 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 working and the players and the coaches can be focusing what is the most important thing, which is the the pitch performance. So. Yes. Um, obviously, you mentioned at Tottenham, you and Karen were doing all sorts of things that I'm, I'm sure aren't being done at Tottenham anymore. I mean, you must look yeah. at that now and think how far Tottenham have come in such a sh- relatively short space of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, like I had the chance to go. They invited me to the. I went back to London after you know three or two three years because I was since from the moment I left uh, Spurs and I signed for Betis, I literally was non-stop two seasons at Betis. The time at Houston, coming over to Gotham, so I didn't have the chance to to go back and. And funny enough, I was the the game I went to. It was at the stadium against Arsenal when they won two uh, one. Um, so for me to see, you know, not only obviously I managed one of the games there where the, we had the most people and all of that. I think it was thirty eight thousand people, but it was still nowhere near where we are now or they are now. I think it is very important, you know, like seeing how many people works around the team, how 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 important it is for the club. And and I was looking at all of that, thinking, wow, this. You know, I put 10 years of my life, my sacrifice, my time, time away from my family, from my friends to to build something like this. And, and to see that there was a legacy from Karen, myself and a lot of people, some of them that are still involved or some people that is not there anymore. But seeing what is what is grown into is, is kind of a of a daughter. I would say a son, but I would say I was going to say a son, but I, I would say a daughter that um that is grown into you know to be a, a successful brand of uh, you know of, of a football club that also is is important on the women's on the women's side no which was always our target so very very proud of of seeing where they are and also nice to get a win over arsenal yeah, for, for that's what that's what I was gonna say as well. That finally, the first time that the, the Spurs beat Arsenal, woman, is it was a special day. Uh, seeing the faces of the players, I was able to catch up with a lot of the players that are still there from from my time. No, with with Becky, with Kid, with obviously Ashley, Jess. You know, there is there is there is Alshelina and Rosella. There is a lot of the players that that we had in in our roster that uh, that are still there. So it was really really good to see. To see them growing as well as as humans, as players, as I was, as, I was very happy to 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 see that. So we often talk about role models in women's football in terms of players inspiring the you know, next generation of little girl players. Do you have any role models as a coach that have inspired you during the course of your career? Oh yeah, like uh, for me, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan maybe of. Of all the coaches, like I always uh, liked uh, Marcelo Bielsa a lot. I think there was, you know, like the I also liked a lot the the style of of Luis Aragonés, people that that changed football when I was when I was growing up. Vicente del Bosque as well, like out, mainly on the men's side because that's when I was growing up, what I was more in contact with, obviously. And and I always been uh, I always like to to study, you know, people that through history was like evolving and changing the game like Rinus Mitchells or even Arrigo Saki who I had the chance to to meet in person I don't know if most of the people will know these guys but for me it was important because they were evolving the game to to different levels and you know obviously now that I I work on the on the women's game for me always you know like competing against Emma was really really important to me because obviously we were still on the third division when she was already at the you know at the top with 
with Chelsea. So it was so I, I really enjoy like watching, you know, now on a different level because maybe I was already competing against them or, or you know, try you know, a bit uh, closer to them, but I know how much effort they they've done to to get here like even Karen for me was an example not seeing how much effort and commitment she put on on the everyday where where we had to work from like 7 a.m to, to 10 p.m and you know like maybe it's not as famous in terms of all oh, the style or or changing football history like it's been like Zidane or, or, or Pep or people like that but then there are people that that for me you know, like seeing Karen and seeing how much she, effort she put for her passion, I think for me it's as, as much of a motivation as some of these uh, famous coaches that, that that work in the in the men's or in the women's game. What do you think is the most challenging part of being a coach for you? Is there something that you're still kind of specifically working on to improve in yourself? I know you said you obviously we all always looking to improve every day, but is there something that you really want to improve in yourself? Yes, the balance between my personal life and my professional life. I think for me, that's the most challenging part. Like I, I have a son, Luca, with my wife now, Laura. And, I, you know, like I have to be away for a long time. And this takes a lot of time of myself. So I think uh, it's very important. I always say to take care of the human side first and try to take care of my players, of my staff. But then uh, sometimes you forget your family or you try to take care of the family and then you don't take care of the personal side. You know, so I think at this level, the hardest part is finding the the right balance because I have to perform as well and and to perform myself I need to I need to be the best I can be and for that I need obviously my my professional side but I need also my my personal side I just came back from Spain where I spent almost almost a month but I know I'm not gonna see you know my family and my friends for the next eleven months you know so it's always that that side of things is always the the sacrifice that the people that we've been able to follow our passion and fulfill certain certain dreams they everything i always say to to the people that it comes with a cost even if people think you are at the top or that you are the coach of the year or that you win or, but there is always a sacrifice behind the scenes so yes i think the the balance between the personal and the professional life i would say is something that for me uh, i really want to make sure i'm a little bit better at so if you could give advice to your younger self so let's say 20 years ago what would you tell him now about coaching and about your career? I will tell him try to buy a car a little bit earlier in London because I travel a lot in the in the tube with a gold post in my back and some footballs. So that would be that would be something that I, when I bought a car that was definitely a game changer for me. <laughs> no, I, um, no, I don't know. Like I think obviously there is a lot of things that I, if I maybe if I would have known I would have done different but I think I also learned from those so I think it's about embracing your own journey and you know like I wasn't gonna win the NWSL 20 years ago it didn't matter what I was gonna do so what I did it helped me to to get to where I am so I don't know I think it is important to to live that that journey and and also maybe the, the only thing I would say is embrace a little bit more the the day-to-day -day because you know, in this world that we live in of continuous performance and results, it's very difficult sometimes to enjoy the, the, the day. You're always thinking about what am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing next week? How am I going to win the next game? And 
you know, uh, it's, it's, the, it's important that the, as coaches and, and people in general, no, I think that's something that, that maybe probably I would, even, even if I wasn't a coach, I probably would tell to myself, it's about, you know, enjoying the time that you, that you have on, on the day to day, because you never know when something might happen to a member of your family or if your life is going to drastically change. So you suddenly think you are living in the city where you're going to live another 10 years and, and, and you're forced basically to, to go to a different country in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you never know what's going to, what's around the corner. So um, I think it's, it's important that we that we enjoy every day, whatever is the effort that, that we do and whatever is the, the, the good or bad thing that I always say there is some good in, in the bad and there is some bad in the good. So, yeah, I would say that. Well, enjoy the season coming up. Um, very best of luck with it. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much, Carrie. Thank you. It's, it's a really a pleasure to, to talk to you. That was Gotham FC head coach Juan Carlos Amaros in conversation with Carrie Dunn. Remember, Juan leads the February 2024 issue of Women's Soccer Coaching. Visit womensoccercoaching.com now to find that and so much more.